Welcome to the Sineos Health Podcast Maps Edition. I'm Suma Ramadas from Sineos Health, and I lead medical affairs here. In this series, we spoke to industry experts at the Global Annual Maps Meeting in March. Through these conversations, we focused in on the impact and value of medical affairs today, where the industry is heading, and how we are going to get there. In this episode, my colleague Colin Oliver steps in as guest host to dig in more deeply with ESI's Dr. Kirk Shepard on a critical question. How do we make the case to our cross-functional partners that medical affairs deserves a seat at the leadership table? And how can we demonstrate the value that medical affairs can bring to that table? Dr. Shepard, as always, does not disappoint. So listen in. I am Chief Medical Officer and Head of Global Medical Affairs at Azi Incorporated. I've been in the industry for over 30 years. I'm almost at 40, but I started out as a medical oncologist and hematologist and practiced at the Cleveland Clinic for a while before going into industry. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. In our last discussion, we talked a lot about the future of medical affairs, the importance of having an autonomous organization with the authority and the vision to be able to support the broader organization across all of our partnerships. And we talked about the importance of a different capability and a different professional within medical affairs and how to get there. I'd like to shift to a little more of the how do we get there? How do we convince our cross-functional partners? How do we convince our boards? to allow us to move into the place where we can be most impactful as an organization. How have you been successful at doing this? How have you demonstrated the value needed to convince your colleagues that you can be more than the historical source of medical information? Colin, that's an important question. And it may differ a little bit for people who are at small, medium-sized, and large companies, but I'm not sure that much. In the beginning, and I've been at companies, not the one I'm currently at, where it was difficult to get medical affairs at the table. And I started by having our people just act like they had a place at the table and start proactively doing things that the people weren't used to medical affairs doing. And one was to form a strategy. We've got the strategies from the other two groups who are prominent, R&D and commercial, and we formed a medical strategy, not being asked to do that, and then went to them and showed it to them. And they were romanced in the beginning. They thought, this is really wonderful. And what happened was by proactively always bringing them a strategy, medical affairs, which is aligned with commercial R&D, market access, and other people, all of a sudden they say, my gosh, this is something of real value. Another thing we proactively did without being asked to do it is we started forming a real data gap analysis effort where we brought together people from R&D, commercial, market access, different geographies as far as forming a data gap analysis and deciding and prioritizing what studies should be done. Again, we weren't asked and suddenly people said, wow, this is really of value. And I don't think anybody else wanted to do it. So we then had that role again. So right away, there's two important ingredients in the whole strategy of being a partner at a higher level. The third thing we started doing is we started bringing insights in from the field in a very unsophisticated way. We are doing it all by hand, but we brought these insights in even during the drug development from the investigator sites that even at the time, our chief scientific officer said, please, Kirk, have your group keep bringing these insights about this product that we are developing that are coming both from the investigators who are following the study, but maybe see other insights that are important for other studies to be done and also for some patients. So there's three examples that we weren't asked to do. We just did it 
and we showed up the table. And then we found out after a couple of years, we were at the table. That's outstanding. So I'd like to start at the end and then circle back to the beginning. You talked about insights. And as we've heard in many forums, in many discussions for medical affairs, that insights can be the currency of our value. Where do you see the insights generation, insights communication, insights process evolving over the next five years? Yes, it's important to know, Colin, that even though medical affairs in most companies, including ours, has taken a leadership role in insights just because we're positioned in the right place to do this. We have MSLs out there, medical affairs people who are externally facing and talking all the time to people who can give us insights that it's a partnership, that we need everybody involved. R&D, especially at the investigator sites, commercial, our CME people who hear comments made during their sessions, all of them are needed in the insights process and also to be using the insights so that right away, we made them partners as far as forming the process. And what we did is we formed the process first on paper, and then we look for digital tools that would enhance that. So these insights now go all the way from the beginning where we have a tool identifying people and investigators who would be best for giving us these insights. Then we train our people on how to elicit appropriately insights and to listen for them. Then we bring them together and collect them in one central site of all the insights from different sources, whether it's from the MSLs, whether it's from Congresses, from the reports, whether it's from ad boards, et cetera. So people know that in one site, they're going to find the insights for one indication. Then we have it subjected to a digital tool we brought in that can tag insights by AI, and it helps us to sort these insights into different questions we ask about strategy, trends, and sentiments. So right away, we can form conclusions about these insights, and then we go into the next phase of distributing these insights to the leaders so that they can then get to our final goal, which is the metric we go by, actionable insights, those insights that help us to make decisions or to enhance the strategy. So this has become a step up for medical affairs that we have really helped to lead. Sometimes come cases they're co-led, but people are seeing the value of these insights. And that's the last point that's really important. You need to show people then what insights have come in. So the MSLs will not think, well, am I doing all this work for nothing? You need to show how their information that came in later, maybe turned into insights, has helped to enhance what we do for the product. Your point about feedback is a very important one and an area I'd love to explore further. You know, one of the challenges that we've seen in discussions with other organizations is a fear of compliance in establishing this cross-functional partnership that you've described and establishing this feedback loop that is so important. What advice do you have for your industry colleagues who are wrestling with this concept of compliant restrictions to this process? Number one is that medical people should not fear compliance. In fact, your compliance person and your legal person should be one of your best friends. And what I mean by that is they should be invited to a lot of your meetings, not just when there's an issue or education, but the business meeting so they understand what you are trying to do. So they can naturally give you consultation on how to form a process such as insights. So they are involved very closely with us in how we form the process. And you're right, there are several stages you need to be concerned about the appropriateness. Just as far as even the first identification interaction, 
with KOLs or other people on the outside as far as what you can ask, what's appropriate, and compliance reviews all the time how we do that in the training. Second, even about when you bring them in-house, who can access them? Are there certain insights that should be accessed only by medical, certain ones by commercial? And we have also guidance on that. And then how do you distribute it? Is it done by oral meetings? Can it be put into an email? All these are important stages that you should have your compliance and legal person with you. And it's really good if you can find a partner so that they understand the business, understand the process so that for each step or each issue you bring up, it's not brought to someone new who does not understand what you're doing. So very important. And when you do that, it makes it a lot easier from the very beginning when you're building it. And then also when you bring in digital tools to enhance what you're doing. I think that's great advice. I'd like to shift back to the connectivity between insights and the importance of the connectivity between insights and strategy. As I'm sure you know, and many out there are thinking about, data and data and analytics are becoming increasingly critical in a medical affairs organization. How do you foresee medical affairs best leveraging data and data analytics through this insights to strategy continuum that you've described? First of all, to understand your process. As I said before, before you bring in digital tools that are cool and fun to work with, understand your process. So we know now that when we bring these insights in and they are digitalized, so for trends and sentiments, et cetera, we have just a well of wealth here as far as what can tell us more about our products. It's very important from the very beginning that people understand the process as far as the data, how it's divided up, So in other words, the tool we have now, we have the ability to look at just the United States as far as some of the insights or the questions we may be asking or do it globally. So we're fortunate that we brought a tool in and we trade on the process and the tool maybe a year ago. And we have every region of the world now on the same tool with the same understanding. It's not perfect yet, but we're constantly working on it together so that they understand, okay, if I'm looking at data, what does this mean? This is only maybe perhaps for my site in Europe. I need to go beyond that maybe to understand, does it really match with the rest of the world or is this aberrant? Is it something different from the rest of the world? So I see this only being enhanced in the future with, again, understanding your process and then bringing in these new digital tools, which are improving all the time as far as our ability to control and understand the data that we're producing. And in the last stage, which is maybe the stage we are working on the hardest, is that distribution, that understanding of the insights we have and what they mean to our strategy is a tough part. Think about it. You bring in some insights and you've got leaders all over the world that you want to make sure you get this insight to. What's the best way to do that? What's the best way to make them understand what this insight could mean for the business? And that's where I think The capture of data and then the analysis of this, hopefully done digitally, is going to help us a lot. Because I can tell you now, with multiple tools in the process, you lose time. And time is so important in insights. It's almost like a drug. It's got a PK. It's got a time limit. If you let your insights sit around too long, it's going to go degrading very fast as far as just a couple of weeks. Because we have had insights brought in, especially in the beginning of our process, that leaders have said, wow, if I just known this a couple of months ago, this could have been valuable. So you need to work on speed, 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 as far as the beginning of bringing the insights in 
and getting it to your leaders and being able to control the data and how you analyze it to get down to the simplification of what it means is very important. Well, thank you, Dr. Shepard. We very much appreciate your insights on all things insights for medical affairs and the value that we can bring to our cross-functional partners, not only from a strategic and evidence generational standpoint, but from the information, the timely insights we can bring in from our external engagements that can have a dramatic impact on strategy across the organization. Well, thank you, Colin. So that's all for this episode of the Cineos Health Podcast Maps Edition. I'm your host, Suma Ramadas. Be sure to check out the other episodes in the series, as well as topics across the product development lifecycle. You can do this by subscribing to the Cineos Health Podcast, which can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.